0: What's up, guys? Matt here, and welcome back to Mastering You, the lifestyle performance podcast designed to help people achieve what we call a LPT, a triple H life. That is a healthier, happier, and higher performing life. We do this by talking to experts who have achieved self-mastery in their life so that you can apply the same lessons, principles, and strategies into mastering yours. So whether you're into fitness, mindset, or you're just a personal development junkie like me, you will love this show. So make sure you hit subscribe now and tune in every Saturday for your weekly dose of self-development. Let's get into today's show. Mike, welcome to Mastering You. How are we today?
1: Hey, doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Matt. Appreciate it.
0: Not at all. So we're talking. Um, we're going to talk about a few things today. Talk about confidence. Um, it's a it's a big thing for many people. Um, we're going to talk about dealing with criticism, and all of this, like we just discussed um, just before we started, does interlink with mindset. And uh, obviously, what you're an expert in, just for the listeners, is communication. Something that you've been teaching and doing for twenty years. Um, I'd love to know, firstly, I'd like to kind of always get a bit of a backstory. where Where did your love and and passion for communication and speaking in particular, where did that come from? Where did it start? Was there any sort of obstacles? or any? and yeah, where where did it come from?
1: Yeah, I think what what makes me different for a lot of people, and sometimes people ask me that, what makes you different from other communication coaches? And it's one of the things that makes me different is that I had to learn how to do what I'm doing. I had to overcome. It wasn't a natural thing. So I was actually born and I had a speech impediment for many, many years and I had to work to overcome that. And so my mom worked with me. I worked with a speech therapist, got to a spot, a spot where I could speak clearly. I used to not be able to say the sounds ju. So now I can say ju. I used to not be able to differentiate between shoulder and soldier. And so obviously now I can. And then I got to that spot and then moved to Mexico where I spent the next seven years of my life growing up. And I had to learn how to speak on stage all over again. It's what's very interesting is often we'll lean into the criticisms, the thoughts, the ideas, the expectations of others. So they thought of me as a class clown because I'd get up in front of everybody and smile and laugh, or sorry, smile and, and try to speak Spanish and it would cause people to laugh. And so they thought it was me trying to be disruptive so I leaned into that and became the class clown Mm. that many people thought I was eventually I got to a spot where I leaned into my identity found myself spoke Spanish well enough not to be made fun of all the time and then I moved back to the United States where I again had to shift culturally and speak in front of groups and had to learn how to speak with confidence so what makes me different in than a lot of people is I had to learn that Process. It wasn't given to me. I had to fight for it. Mm. It wasn't something natural. I had to struggle through it and find my process. So then I get went into a career of public speaking. And even when I was in corporate sales, it was one of the main things I did was get up in front of doctors and pitch. And so I had to learn how to do that. And along the way, I coached people. And then in 2019, I wrote my first book, a self-published book, "Speak with No Fear." It became. Over a thousand copies sold, worked with people all over the world on overcoming the fear of anxiety and, or the fear and anxiety that comes to speaking. And then it really raised my profile enough where I was able to help thousands. I think the book sold about 40,000 copies. And then a traditional publisher, Wiley, reached out and said, hey, let's do something together. And so we, we, uh, I published with them on December 8th of 2022, speak with confidence, and which is really my framework for confidence. And it definitely applies towards speaking. But what I tell people again and again and again, when you learn how to speak and have confidence on stage, it goes with you off stage. That confidence is transferable. You learn how to do something here. It makes you feel good out there. So I got the education on communication. I got the experience I have overcome. I've done the speaking gigs. I have the books. That's been my journey, and I just love helping people realize their potential.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. So yeah, it's really interesting that you know overcoming those obstacles. I guess just going through that stage, you know, um, when you were younger and you were you're struggling with, with your own speech, you had that awareness like it, even more so. I, I imagine a lot of people just sort of take it for granted if they can just speak fine and and it's okay. I wonder why those people maybe later on in life. Um, have fears or anxiety around speaking, because it is, it is known as one of the things people fear the most, isn't it? Getting up on stage and talking. Um, and yet, they've probably spoke all their life, and they didn't go through what you went through with your own struggles. Why is that?
1: A lot of people struggle speaking in front of people due to a couple of different factors. So one factor could be the pressure that they feel on themselves, the pressure to perform, the pressure to live up to something. Think about football. Soccer. If you go out onto the pitch, you're on the field and you are just with some friends, you don't have a lot of pressure. You're just goofing off. Then the game time happens and there's pressure. And a lot of people, when they come into a game time pressure, they can't live up to that type of pressure. I've seen uh, Olympic athletes who were amazing in the sport then struggle in the Olympics, struggle when they get to that whole other layer. And a lot of people, even if it's something that they do quite well, like, hey, I played high school basketball really well, but college basketball, I struggled. Sometimes it's because they're not ready for that extra level of pressure, pressure to perform. Now, speaking is different than sports, because in sports, at least you are growing with the pressure. So when you're a kid, Mm. there's hardly any pressure. Teenager, there's a little bit more pressure. College, a lot more pressure, but you're growing with it as you go. So even though sometimes people don't make it to that next level, a lot of people grow with it and the pressure weeds them out or their performance weeds them out over the course of time. Speaking is different. If in speaking, you'd often grow with that pressure, you are in college and now you're a professional, you're 26 and you're speaking to 40 year olds and you feel this professional that you have not grown into. And then that pressure keeps building and you never figure out what to do with it. So one time, one of the reasons why people get so nervous is the pressure to perform. Another reason is because they get so caught in their mind and you talk a lot about mindset, so caught in their mind as to what do people think about me? And then they're trying to speak to the expectation of people instead of speaking out of actually who they are. So they go up, there going, well, people want me to be calm, cool, and collected. And I've literally had people say that like, Hey, teach me how to be calm, cool, and collected. I'll say, well, what, what type of person are you? Well, I'm loud and I'm outgoing and gregarious. I said, well, let's, teach you how to be a good you not a poor imitation of somebody else Mm. so a lot of times people are trying to live it give up the expectations and they're so much thinking what do people think about me i always tell people this no one's thinking about you they're too worried about thinking about themselves like you know as kind as your podcast listeners are no one here listening to me did you start this going i wonder how mike's doing today Mm. i wonder if he's had a good day so far I wonder what his life is like and how he's feeling. And I just wanted him to feel good by me tuning in today. No one tunes into a podcast, except for maybe your mom. No one tunes into your podcast to make Matt feel good. Mm. No, they tune into it because they want something, because they've come to expect that there's going to be something that's going to be delivered to them. And sometimes that makes us sound selfish, but we're the only one responsible for us. So if I go to a comedy show, I'm not there to make whoever it is feel good or whatever, I'm there because I wanna be entertained. If I go to see a a person speak, I'm there to learn. If I go to a college, I'm not there to make that college professor feel good about his teaching. I'm there to learn that. Likewise in speaking, we, we are there to help people, give them the update, give them the presentation, sell them our product because we think it's helpful to them. But often what happens when we're speaking is the opposite and we start thinking about ourselves. Well, I hope Matt likes me. I hope his audience likes me. I hope my boss thinks I did a good job. I hope that this is what they're hoping for. This is what they're looking for. Do they like me? Do I look good? Do I sound good? And we get so caught up in us that we forget to serve them. So those are some of the different reasons why we get nervous. We get the performance anxiety. We're trying to fit someone else's avatar or... Would you
0: say that... um... That, that's been sort of exasperated um, in the modern day due to things like social media and, and you know, because people are consuming probably way more information and, and from other people than ever, let's face it, any other time in history. So there's more opportunity to compare yourself to other people because people are you know, often scrolling and watching this and watching that. And so then they're maybe thinking, well, oh, if I was to speak, or if I was to do a, a Facebook live, or a whatever, you know, podcast, you know, wonder what, wonder how I could be like that, or, I mean, that just that just crossed my mind. Is is, or do you think there's always been, this the the same level of comparison? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, so uh, one of my little mantras is compare and compete. You'll live in defeat comparison pretty much never goes well because there's either winning comparison or there's losing comparison. Losing comparison, and I talk about this in my book, Speak With Confidence. A lot of this is in that book, Speak With Confidence. But in losing comparison, it's where you look at somebody go, Matt's such a better host than me. That person's such a better presenter than me. I'm not as good as them. Woe is me. I should just stay quiet. Why don't they have that person speak? So we look at someone better, even on Instagram, look at their perfect holiday, vacation, oh my gosh, I can't afford that. Then there's winning comparison. And when we look at someone and go, well, they're not as good as me, I'm better than them. So comparison pretty much never helps us out. Either we're winning, which leads puffs us up, and pride, or we're losing, and it lowers us into pity. Now competition, a lot of times competition is unhealthy when we want to be better than them. So if we look at somebody go, well, I have to be the best soccer player. I have to mm. be the best speaker. I have to be the best. I have to be the best. And, and it's just a one-up game. Now that's an unhealthy competition versus a great competition. Now, maybe in you know when well, you younger sports, that that can be okay, maybe, but ultimately a healthy competition is where you go, man, they're amazing. They want, they make me want to raise my game. Yeah, so you're you're kind that.
0: of inspired rather than treating it as competition.
1: Right. It's it's competition in the sense of I, a competition with self. Man, mm. they're a better version of themselves. You know, I haven't seen that guy for a couple of years. Look at him. He's looking super fit. Oh, shoot, I put on some pounds. And instead of feeling bad, like, you know what? That's it. I'm going back to the gym. Not because I want to be more fit than him, but just because he made me want to raise my level raise my game
0: so speak with confidence that's your book what's the goal like someone buys your book tomorrow what do you want them to have achieved what outcome what's the what message do you want them to get what what what's the big what's the big overarching goal with that
1: so with something like confidence it's not something extremely measurable in the sense of if i was writing a book on economics i'm like hey where are you at today? It's a number amount. And where do you want to be in one year? Let's teach you how to get there in one year. So it's a number amount. And it's very objective. You have this amount. Now you have this amount. When it comes to speaking, it's going to be a lot more. And when it comes to confidence, it's going to be a lot more subjective. So what do we do with that? Well, One of the things I have people do in, throughout the book is even rate themselves. Like, where are you in this regard? So like at the, the end of the book, there's these little line charts. So where are you right now? Where's your starting point? So let's figure your starting point, And then here are some different things that you can do. And let's up your game. I'll do this even with my private coaching that I do with people. I'll say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, where's your confidence? And they might say, I'm at a five. Okay, great. That's your starting point. Let's work together for three months. And then at the end of the three months, we actually watch back their original video, their assessment video. <laughs> and so we record it and send it back to them. And then we watch it together at the end. So after three months, four months, however long we're working together, they could see it I'll say, how long, how is your confidence now? And they're like, oh, I'm at a, I'm at a seven now. Okay, great. Or I'm a nine now. And we'll actually do that two different graphs. We'll say, how high is your anxiety? And then two, how low is your anxiety? How low is your anxiety? Or how low is your confidence? How high is your confidence? And because those are not exactly the same things, but we want to take off anxiety, lower that, and we want to increase your confidence. So that's the goal in the book. The goal is to give people a framework, a way to understand where confidence comes from, so that they can measurably yet subjectively increase it. Now, there's a fr- further thought on that. If I were to say, if I were to say, where do you live, Matt? And you said, I live on Earth. That doesn't help me at all. Of course you do. Me too. I live on Earth. And if you said, I live in Europe. Okay, okay that's a little bit more helpful. And you said, I live in England. I'm like, oh, okay, now you're getting more helpful. And often when we say confidence, you know, I want to be more confident, but well, what does that mean? That's like saying mm-hmm. I live on earth. But if I say, where do you live? And you say, well, I live on this street, at this number of the house, this is where I live. I'm like, I know exactly. So what I'm working on and speak with confidence is giving people very clear ways on growing confidence. It's a comprehensive framework so that you don't just say, I am going to be more confident. I want to be more confident through my skills. I want to be more confident in my messaging. I want to be more confident through my identity.
0: Yeah, I like that because a lot of people do, you know, uh, they use it as a throwaway term, don't they? You know, I wish I had more confidence. I wish I need to be more confident. But without really thinking clearly about, well, what would need to be true for that to to be a reality? And probably wouldn't take them that long to say, well, actually, I just need to be able to do this and this yeah you know, if i could if I could speak in front of my work colleagues um at the next sales meeting or if I could do this um or speak to this person and have this awkward conversation, that would be the level of confidence I would be happy with and then once they know those those two things, then actually it becomes more realistic, more achievable, just like any smart goal I suppose right
1: right yeah. I love the word confidence because it comes from two different words in Latin, con and fidere. So, fidere, kind of like faith, trust, like fidelity. So, it's trust. And then con is a modifier, so more. So, it's more trust is essentially what confidence means, more trust. Okay. But I have confidence that this team is going to make it to the playoffs. I have more trust and I have grounded trust in it. I have confidence that the stock market is going to do this. Okay, what does that mean? I have more trust that the stock market is going to do this. I have confidence in this authority figure. I have more trust in that authority figure. So what is confidence? If I want confidence, it's more trust in my ability to do whatever I'm trying to do. So if I have confidence in playing soccer, okay, well, I have more trust in my ability. And how about American football? I don't have a lot of confidence in American football. I didn't play a lot of that growing up. So where do you have more trust? And then how do you get more trust? So really the 3 prong approach that the whole book on Speak with Confidence is laid out is through identity as a speaker, messaging as a speaker, and your skills as a speaker. So think about it going back to pretty much anything else. If you have more skills, you're going to have more confidence. Go back to that American football and, and football soccer. If I have no skills in football, American football, and I can't throw a spiral, I'm not going to feel great playing with a whole bunch of other guys on a pickup game. I'm not going to have confidence.
0: And just, just for the I benefit of the listener, yeah. would, is the, the book um, many applicable for people that are speakers, or does it relate to anyone who just wants to build their, their overall confidence?
1: You know, realistically, if you want to build your confidence, a lot of what I say is if you can learn how to speak on stage, if you can improve your speaking on stage, then you will have confidence off stage. So, realistically, even though it's called Speak with Confidence and that's kind of the framework, it'd be like if I said this, it'd be like, hey, let me teach you how to become a physically fit basketball player. But as you read it, you're like, well, this applies to, cycling. This applies to boxing. A lot of the things to be physically fit in basketball is going to apply to a whole bunch of other areas. Likewise, how to have confidence on stage. Realistically, some of the things in there, especially the first part of the book, would apply to anybody because the three parts of the framework is skills, message, and identity. And a lot of reasons why we don't have confidence in ourselves is because we don't actually know who we are.
0: Mm, Interesting interesting okay so that we've got a great overview of what the book achieves what the outcome is who it's kind of for can we just do dig a little bit deeper into some of the principles the framework could, could you give us like a, sort of a quick overview of some of the tips and strategies within that book
1: yeah yeah let's talk about the three parts and i'll talk about identity a little bit so first of all there's three sources of confidence the three places that you get confidence from skills message and your identity so skills real quick going back to that football spiral if i know how to throw american football and spiral it and really well then i'm gonna feel more confident if i don't i'm not gonna feel confident message if you said mike let's talk about marine biology i'd be like oh well um so uh living creatures in the sea done so i don't have a lot of confidence because you put me on the spot about something i don't know So the more you know something, the more you're going to have confidence in it. So skills, messaging. But let's dive into this first one. The first source of confidence is knowing who you are and knowing who you are as a speaker. When I get up in front of people, this morning I spoke at a school assembly for my son's school. So I had a whole bunch of uh, first through 12th grade school kids there. And a lot of people get confident or get insecure because they're like, well, what will they think about me? Well, you know what? I don't really care what you think about me. I know who I am and I know how what I'm going to say and I know my skills. So I'm going to speak with confidence and it went well. Now, did everybody like me 100%? I don't know. Did I do what I did well? And did I say something valuable? And did I say it with confidence? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what's going to matter right there. But one of the ways that you can have greater confidence in life is knowing who you are. Don't let others define your identity. And don't try to fit into a mold that you think somebody else has for you. You figure out who you are and come to terms with who you are. That doesn't mean that you're going to actually like every single part of who you are. There are parts of all of us that we go, you know what? I wish that was different about my whatever. And yet we still need to come to grips with it because if we're always fighting against something. So you when you up. say
0: find out who you are, you mean like warts and all? Like just being really honest with yourself, you know, yeah. this is when I'm good. This is when I'm bad. This is where yeah. I've you know got room for improvement. This is the honest truth.
1: Absolutely. In fact, th- think about criticism. And if it, there's three types of criticism, there's received criticism. So after this recording, Matt, if you say, Mike, I didn't like that you did this. Okay, that's you received criticism. You gave it to me, and I received it. Or maybe there's perceived criticism. So I'm talking to you and I think, oh, shoot, Matt doesn't like what I'm doing right here. Or the audience doesn't like what I'm doing. Now, that might be true and maybe nobody vocalizes it. Or it might not be true, but I'm perceiving it. I'm reading into something or reading into my insecurity. And then there's personal criticism, things I don't like about myself. Like, you know, when I look at myself, I really wish that I wasn't balding. I'm hiding it well, but man, I don't like that about myself. Or I put on 10 pounds this year. I don't like that about myself. I don't like this aspect about myself, that aspect about myself personal. So we have three forms of criticism. And there's four ways that we handle criticism. We often flee from it, just ignore it. Whatever. What don't don't say it. Don't say it. You know, I I, I can't feel it if you don't tell me it. And I'm just, oh, you're gonna say something, I'm gonna run out of here and trying to get rid of all of that or you can fight it like you're a stupid idiot i hate that you said that you can't tell me that you're saying that i you're wrong i don't take that and we fight um, flee and fight now those are too common the third one is feel and a lot of people do this we get a criticism from a boss they say you know what i wish that you would do this we're like oh my gosh i'm a loser i'm i'm so bad and our mind goes to the worst case scenario Mm. we sit there and we really feel it and then there's the fourth way of doing it. We can filter that criticism. And this is really healthy. And this is what I talk about in the book, Speak With Confidence, how to filter your criticism. We need to look at what people say about us. And we need to look at it from our angle. So maybe Matt says, Mike, the way that you speak is has too many pauses in it. And I look at that and I go, okay, okay. You know, it's valid, but actually I like that I do it. I like that I do pauses. I like... I like that instead of just consistently talking, I take these moments where I pause and talk. Okay, so in, instead of doing any of these other fil- other ways of responding, I'm filtering it through the word appreciation. I go, you don't like that about me, but I actually like it about me. Yeah. And every single person listening here, you need to know what you like about yourself because someone's gonna criticize that exact same thing and they're going to tell you what you should like. I like the movie Usual Suspects. If you say, Mike, you shouldn't like that movie. It's got Kevin Spacey in it and he's a douchebag and you you shouldn't like it. I can't believe you like that. It's a little bit violent. There's this scene. I was like, you know what? Hey, that's you. I actually really like it. That's what I appreciate. That's the movie I appreciate. And we shouldn't change our appreciation just because someone else doesn't have the same appreciation. Then we go into accept. So say you look at me and you go, Mike, let's go back to that balding example. And you go, Mike, I noticed that you're balding. And if you looked at the top of my head, you'd see it a lot more. And I'd go, you know what? I wish I wasn't. I used to have long glories of blonde hair and I'm I'm a couple years away from just shaving the whole thing off, but you know what? It's true. So I'm not going to fight it. And there's other things that if you were to say, Mike, this is something that you do wrong. We can fight it. We can flee it. We can feel it or We can filter it by accepting it and going, you know what? You're right. It, it's a lot harder to hurt someone when they've already made peace with the thing that you're trying to hurt them with. You say, you know what? you're just so impulsive They're like you know what true i am i've thought about that
0: yeah yeah Part that's that's the that's the personal development work right there isn't it that doesn't really get talked about that often um i guess when you're growing up you know you're kind of told what whether you're good or bad at school it's like you're you've done this well you haven't done this well you never really taught to critical thinking where you take on board what someone said and then you think yeah yeah, I can see that. Like, that's not a yeah. skill that you get to, 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 to sort of work on, is it? And, unless you do the work.
1: No, you're right. I mean, it's totally personal development. In fact, this is why I talk about speak with confidence. This is actually in the book where I talk about these three fil- these three ways to filter criticism. And it's so vital because when you look at your communication or your leadership or your life or your health or your relationships, And you can put everything into, and I appreciate this about myself, I accept this about myself, or I need to improve this about myself. Then you're going to be in a spot where you have a good, balanced approach of looking at yourself and go, you know what? Some things I love that about myself builds my confidence because I appreciate it. Some things I accept it, and so it builds my confidence because I'm not letting it weigh me down. I'm not living under this pressure of not mounting up to something. And the third one is I'm improving it. So if you said, Mike, you've gained weight this last 10 years, or the last year, I'd say, yeah, yeah, I have. And this one, I'm not appreciating about myself. I'm not accepting, but I am improving it. Mm. I'm actively doing something. So it takes the punch out. takes the power out of the punch. Now, this is what's really, really, really important in terms of personal development. So everybody listen in really well for this one right here. If you have too much appreciation, you are a narcissist. So if you're looking at this going, you know what? I actually appreciate everything about myself. I'm amazing. I speak amazing. I look amazing. I have I'm the best friend ever. I'm the best in romance. I'm the, I'm I'm amazing. You should see me play sports. You should see me do everything. My job is lucky to have me. I am amazing. And you don't look at anything in your life and going accepting improving. Then if you're too high on that, then you're highly. Appreciation misalignment, and you are, are a lowercase C narcissist. Now, if you're if you're super high on accept, you're just like you know what? It's just life. I make this amount of money because it's just it's just the what it's just what I can do. It's all I can do. My body is what it is. My weight is what it is. I can't change anything. I just it's just what I am. Yeah, I know I blow up all the time. I know I drink too much. I know I do this. I know I do this. I know I'm impulsive. Just leave me alone. It's just who I am. And just. And if you have too much on acceptance, you have a high acceptance misalignment, and you are ready, you're a victim. You've fallen into victim mentality. I just can't change. We're just stuck. And then people listening to a personal development podcast like yours, Matt, they're probably on the third misalignment, high improvement. I just got to get better. You're right, Mike. I got to get better in my speaking. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you had that guy on about physical fitness. You know what? I got to get better there too. And oh, he's right. I got to get better. And every single week it's like, I got to do that. I got to do that. I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better. If you're a high improvement misalignment, then you're likely to fall into the imposter syndrome where you just feel like you never measure up and everyone else is better than you. That's a, great, a that's a great, that's a something we've
0: not talked about actually. That's something that's a that's a really good, good point there because, um, uh, you know, mastering you, this show is it, one of those where uh, I and I get people sometimes say oh, I've just binged on like X amount of episodes, um, Matt, and I'm like, great. And then, but it does make me think, ah, oh, wonder how much action they're taking on all the all of that advice because we've got uh, like literally hundreds of hours so and and i know from having gone there like when you start that personal development journey and you you buy think and grow rich and then you and then and then you're you're off to brian tracy tony robbins all the rest of them it's it is quite addictive because it's um it's all positive it's all great ideas and you know but you you can get caught up in that snowball of i need I, i don't think I'm I'm learning all this stuff, but I'm just not moving as fast forward as I as I want. And then, so it's almost like needing to slow down a little bit. And um, so, yeah, just anyone listening and who can identify with that, what would you say to that person?
1: Yeah, if you're in that spot where you've taken in so much and you're in this high improvement misalignment, pause for a moment. Write down these three different words: appreciate, accept, improve. Now, under each of those words, write down five things that you appreciate about yourself, five things that you accept about yourself, five things that you want to improve. Now, notice that these are not static lists. They are dynamic. So something that you put in the accept, you might future put in the improve. Sometimes when I begin to work with a client, we will actually keep the accept bucket empty and we'll work on a whole bunch of stuff on the improve but as we work together we're like you know what i think that's actually just part of your personality let's put it in the accept bucket Mm. we're not trying to change uh, that person
0: yeah because a a big issue that with it is that if you're always just trying to improve you're never ever going to give yourself the opportunity to enjoy your rewards by being in the present if you're constantly living in the future tense and, and yeah. I've got to do this, got to do this, or sometimes in the past tense, but not in the present, then you, you don't give yourself that chance to be like, wow, I did that. And it feel, feels great.
1: Right. I had a friend who was he runs a, a large nonprofit, and they were doing some massive projects. And then he has his family that he's involved with. Now, he's been a physical fitness nut for the whole time I've known him. So I saw him, and he was for the first time ever overweight, I'd never seen him overweight. And then he was at a speaking event and he was talking and he said, over the last three years, I have had to look at my life and go, here's the three things I'm going to work on. In other words, the three things I'm going to improve. And he goes, I, I'm working on my doctorate. I'm working on this massive project, this massive construction project. And I'm working on being very present with my kids as they're wrapping up high school. And I said, when I looked at this, that I had three massive things that I'm working on, in other words, improving, three massive things I'm working on, I realized that I was not going to be able to do the physical fitness like I love to do. So I just put into, and he didn't say these words, I'm putting them into the words I'm using. So he said, I just put that on a side burner. In other words, he just said, I'm going to accept that I'm not going to be in the best physical shape for three years. And so he just Mm -hmm. put that into the accept bucket. Yeah. Now his kids are graduated. Construction project's done. And he's almost finished with his doctorate. Yeah, so he's that's like, a
0: great, that's a such a good example. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, yeah. We, we, it's something that I talk about a lot with our members because our members, um, obviously, we we run a personal training studio. And, you know, like anyone, like they'll, they'll, they'll do our six week kickstart, they'll start really strong, but they'll have ups and downs, and they'll beat themselves up when those those downs last too long. And, you know, mm-hmm. they'll start telling themselves those stories of I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm, and that they'll lose confidence and that they'll gain weight. And but, but, but if you just reframe it, if you do have priorities, like, you know, a few months ago, I was just training for a fitness event over here. Actually, you have the, the event in America as well, the High Rocks event. Um, a lot of our members are doing it at the moment. So it's training quite hard, training more hours than I would normally. And that become a priority because I wanted to do okay and get my fitness up, finish the event. And, you know, I've been spending more time working, um, mm-hmm. you know, do, doing some stuff that has to be done. And, um, but that's cool. And my, my fitness has gone off a little bit, but, you know, you as long as you're not, as long as you're having that awareness of, of where your priorities are, your priorities are always going to change. And, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're an, a, an athlete and that is your job to, to stay in the best shape physically of your life, then ultimately try and stay healthy is, is the key. So I still eat, eat really well, still eat clean, drink lots of water, get good night's sleep. So it doesn't have to affect your health just because you're not in the best physical fitness Adonis shape of your life. Um, mm-hmm. but it's something that I do see as a coach so often is, is people feeling like they've got to be at this standard that they've, they've right. set themselves this standard and they've got to stick to that all the time and, and then beating themselves up the moment that that, that standard falls.
1: Well, and that's what I love about what, what my friend modeled here is he put physical fitness into the accept bucket, but then once the, he got to a certain spot in some of these other areas. They didn't need to be improved anymore. So he put them either into the appreciate bucket or, Hey, I accept that I'm at a stage in life with my kids now where they're not needing me as much, put that there. I appreciate that. I finished this construction project. Okay. Now that thing that was the accept bucket about physical fitness, I'm going to put back in the improve bucket. And so that's why you can look at this and things shift around and move around mm. and we're constantly improving overall because we improve to a certain point and it either goes into appreciate or accept. And then we pick something else that was in one of these buckets and we want to get better at that and we improve. And so we're constantly in flux and they're getting bigger and bigger, even though they're still kind of leveling around the same amount. But it becomes a great way to perceive life and that we we can perceive our communication or our leadership or our physical fitness or other areas through
0: yeah, well, one of the things that just strikes me, you know, our name is lifestyle performance transformation. So, so uh, the concept there is, is life is a performance. And, you know, if you master yourself mastering you, then you can improve your performance in different areas of your life from your sleep from your, from your career, from your business, etc, etc, fitness. Um, and it kind of occurs to me that like speaking is, is a big one, because speaking's communication. I kind of think of that people maybe take it for granted. Um just how impactful speaking the right way, using the right words. Definitely something that I I sort of think about just having a conversation with you. Like, you know, how can I improve my own speaking and communication and you know my voc- vocabulary even. Um, mm-hmm. it's I've always said to my team, you know, when it comes to like selling like you're always selling and they'll mm-hmm. like we might be talking about sales for instance but I'll be like you're always selling from the first time that you know a member meets you to how you greet them to how you hold yourself to you know how you follow up with them to your demeanor your body language everything mm-hmm. that you do is is selling but not in the not in the sense of making money just selling yourself and 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 you know in, in a way of improving your own life and your lifestyle performance yeah. and and
1: imagine
0: yeah 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 call it persuasion there's different uh, the problem with a lot of the words that label what i'm trying to say is they sound manipulative like persuasion like selling um like like you're trying to get something but actually
1: influence yeah influence
0: influence yeah Mm -hmm. and and so having obviously someone like yourself who's an expert in this area in communication what have you noticed from coaching people over the years and, and or even your own life how improving your own communication because obviously i don't know if you have children but even you know how you bring up your, your kids and how you use the words that you use they're gonna like I hear it sometimes, my kids like use words that I use or that my, you know, the wife uses, and sometimes yeah, they're yeah. not the best. They're not the best words either. So, right, you know, right. yeah, There's so much to learn with communication. It's it's actually a really interesting subject when you get deep into it.
1: Yeah. So what I tell people is this: that you that speaking is a universal advantage. So you could be a truck driver, you could be a CEO, you could be a stay-at-home mom. You could be a personal trainer. Or you could be a middle school kid. Whether you can communicate or not, it's going to improve your success elsewhere. I'm actually working on my next book already, and it's called The Five Drivers of Success. And if you want to be successful in life, I talk to, to people about this, then here's here's what you need. You need to have the right knowledge. So you need to understand it. You need to have experience doing what you're doing. You, then you need communication that if you want to put a resume on there like in like apply for a job people often look at education experience but you know what's going to actually get you that interview or sorry land you the job after the interview the communication of your education your experience mm, yeah. and then you know what's going to keep you there your emotional intelligence that's the fourth one and then do you know what's going to weigh throughout the entire thing your drive your ability to do it your your motivation and, and ultimately in that though communication is this huge driver of success. So no matter what you want to do in life, even if a lot of my clients, they're technical coders. <laughs> so so they're, they go throughout their college education. And nowadays they sit at their desk and they're typing their coding. And they thought that's, I didn't need to work on my communication. I didn't need to do debate. I didn't need to do speaking classes. I am a coder. I am a programmer. I am, am electronically uh, oriented. And then a lot of other ones are in the medical profession. And you know what, they never learned how to communicate. And so now they're invited to be part of a panel for something, or now they become a manager or they start their own practice and they need to communicate and they they don't know how.
0: Yeah, do you see this as becoming a a bigger problem like with the younger generation coming through who are their main communication is, is screens as opposed to like actually like talking to people and um, having phone calls and you know the old school way of communicating. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I mean communication the mediums change, but really there still is one consistent in it, and that is communication. And so we could communicate different ways mm. through different mediums, but we still need to communicate. And so I wrote a book called Speak and Meet Virtually. And it's about how to do what we're doing right now and how to do it effectively. And I gave a TEDx on it as well. It's got something like 40,000 views on it. And awesome. overall, even in the midst of a world that's become more virtual, we need to adjust the medium. What a lot of people do is they don't adjust the medium. And likewise, like when I'm on, you know, there's, a, there's a whole thing that that uh, Generation X no, Generation Z. I mean, says about millennials and above that when we do our TikToks and Instagram lives and stuff, they they call it the um, the the one second pause. And so, oh, there's a new skill that you can learn. Okay, great. Skills change; different things will change, and those are good to learn and adjust to. But there are some things in communication that stay true throughout whatever you're doing. Connect with the audience using your skills. Connect with the audience using your message. Connect with the audience by knowing who you are and learning who they are. That will still stay forever. And the skills might adjust slightly depending on the medium, but everything else stays the same.
0: Nice, nice. Um, So um, any any last words of wisdom? I've really enjoyed this conversation with you, Mike. It's been fantastic. Obviously, um, anyone listening that wants to learn more um, about speaking, and or improving your confidence in speaking and and as we have spoke about that you don't have to be a speaker per se maybe you you just have to um maybe you just want to improve your own confidence in life and learn communication skills uh where would be the best place for people to do and learn that obviously there sounds like there's loads of resources available whether it's your books you've got this new book speak with confidence you've got your tedx talks um, is there a particular website that we can direct people to and add to our show notes
1: yeah, if you go to mikeacker.com, that will take you to the majority of different things that I do and love for people to do that. In terms of words for wisdom, I said this in a lot of my books, where you are is not where you have to stay. So you might be at a spot where you're overweight and you don't like it. And you just, I, man, I'm, I've been putting in my accept bucket, but I can change. I mean, Matt's got a lot of resources there for you on that, where you are is not where you have to stay or maybe you're stuck in your job and just think you're at a spot where you've been making the same amount of money for a long period of time. And you're just like, I'm just capped out where you are is not where you have to stay. A lot of that is mindset. And you have to believe that where you are is not where you have to stay. And sometimes we get stuck because we don't believe in the ability to change. And at that point in time, you need to lean into someone who believes in it for you. So Matt, his guest, myself, we will lend you our belief in you so that you can go to where you want to go instead of staying where you feel stuck.
0: Nice. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And and just to, like a final thing on that is obviously the words that we speak are super important to other people, but the, the words that we tell ourselves just in our own little monkey mind, can have a massive impact on our life as well. Right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Thanks so much for your time today, Mike. Take care.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you.
0: much for tuning into today's show hope you enjoyed it if you did all i would ask is to head on over to apple Podcasts or spotify whatever you're listening to this from and just pop us a five star rating that is what is going to help us keep this show going and keep delivering awesome content to you if you'd love to connect with me personally if you'd like me to help you with your own path to self-mastery then you can get me on any of our social media channels all of which are in the show notes on Facebook, Instagram, etc. Best place to get me though personally is in our Mastering You Facebook group, okay? So head on over to the show notes for that link. Come and say hi if I can help you in any way with your fitness, your mindset, your health, wellness goals, I sure will. Until then, take care.